It's the Gifted Gaming Podcast, and we're talking about our favorite non-playable characters. The guys we loved but could never uh, be the main. I, I find these intros really hard sometimes. I think it's grand. Just keep going with it, you know? Yeah. Just, just, just shorten it to NPCs and just... Just go from there. This is the NPC (laughs) character uh, episode, and uh, here's the intro. (laughs) (laughs) All right, today it's me, your host, Darren Wade. After a miserable effort of making an intro, I am today joined by Craig the Critical Nolan and Kev Purcell. Guys, how are you keeping? Very well, man. Thanks for having me back. Delighted to be here. As of course. per usual, yeah. How are always, you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm 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 happy to be here too, as always. I just stay in this room. I just yeah. never leave. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is where I rest. This is where I sleep. And uh, no, I'm doing well. What about you? You've been up to anything? I hear you're playing some b-ball tomorrow. Yes, yeah, yeah. Active, uh, active basketball player again. Um, if only my skills from 2K NBA 2K transcended into real life basketball, I'd probably be way more confident going into could, it tomorrow. Could you imagine if you could like have data files in certain games where you were like incredibly good at, it, and like the Matrix just like oh. hooked it up to your brain? I was it's hoping you were going to go Matrix in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah. Straight away, I was like, yep, totally on the Matrix. Oh, that'd be so good, yeah. yeah. Sick. What would be your best file? Would it be basketball? Would it be your FIFA file? Mm, probably FIFA over basketball. Like the NBA 2K has gotten way harder to play. Not that it's harder, but there's a lot more to it. Like you have to like if you're playing as the point guard, you have to like run the court and design plays and call plays and pick like who's stronger offensively on weaker defenders. And it, there's a lot to it. And like the mechanisms change. So you shoot with like the right analog stick, whereas it used to be kind of quite sta- straightforward, like tap square at the right time. And it's like a perfect shot, but now it's kind of holding it down. Yeah, they, the, they the make you work for it. They really make you work mm-hmm. for it, but it's, it's very rewarding when you start kind of, it's a very similar system to FIFA where you play systems. You just you go up through the ranks, but yeah. uh, my ranking is way, way lower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a quick well, question, though, just on basketball games. Mm-hmm. Is it like real basketball where most of the middle of the court is completely useless or the game still in a way that you have to progress up the court? Because when yeah. I played it in the 90s, you very much had to get past a few people to get to the net. Mm-hmm. Whereas, do you know the way, like in, yeah. when you're watching on TV, as soon as someone scores, everyone just completely retreats back to their own hole. Is that much. in the game now? Yeah, it, 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 they've changed ever so slightly that you can, you can choose to not do that. You can tactically say do a full court press. Mm. So you can choose what your defenders will do on the, on the other offense and vice versa. So you can kind of shape it as you would mm. like to play it, yeah. That, that's cool because yeah. I'd always imagine them just it being a really boring and what crap are, game what are, what if are both you? teams were just defending their nets. Yeah. I was like, like well that's like, like the real sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine like cutting out the middle of the court like the new basketball court is just two areas with nets really close together and that's yeah. how they play basketball. Like I, I'd watch it. I'd but watch also it. like with modern NBA now like the shooting is way different so like if you're playing with a team that's got high caliber shooters like Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson if you give them any space in this game they're sinking it so you do have to you have to be aware of what you're saying there you can't just let them walk up yeah, yeah. and craig it's um it's zelda season so you zelda must, season Darren. you must be a happy camper i am extremely happy so apologies for my answers may be terrible because all the time i should have prepped for the podcast i was just playing zelda <laughs> <laughs> I, can re- I can respect that yeah, I'd, love, I'd love if all of your npc choices were just from zelda well my first one is because i'm just like in the spirit of that you yeah, know? yeah 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 i respect that and so i mean you know, not, not to get you to go in too deep, but is it a good game? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it. But remember I was saying about Persona 5 and about all these, like, my top games that I just look out for these moments. 
that in video games that I'll remember forever. Yeah. I've had like at least four of them already. Holy like, crap. You know, and I'm just and each each one I went, I can't I can't believe that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And it did, you know? And like the mechanic was better than I thought it would be, you know? I, I'm like, okay, I bet I can do this. I was like, oh shit, that didn't work. But this did and there, wow. There's a bucket loads of them. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, and it's you know it's one thing I I'm a bit sad about because my you know I, I keep up with like gaming news on YouTube or whatever kind of Google stuff I'm using. So my algorithms are all video game stuff, mm-hmm. and unfortunately I've never like I played the absolute crap out of Ocarina of Time, loved it. I think I can play like the 3DS version of it loved it and uh but never played any other zelda game so i'm not in the zelda i, I played a bit of majora's mask mm-hmm. that was about it but seeing like everything blow up on my phone mm-hmm. about zelda tears of the kingdom and it's like this is a has 10 that happened 10, to you 10 yeah. out of 10 9 out of 10 it's like it's i'm absolutely i just... haven't watched a single review i for all i know it's terrible and only i like it <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but that's no. not what I've i heard. mean it's already a game of the year contender i was only looking at a, a little uh, thumbnail for a video from the guys at the gifty gaming podcast that i love and they were talking about i guess the the restrictions i'm talking about final fantasy 16 mm-hmm. have been lifted so a lot of people are putting out their reviews today for final fantasy 16 and their title was can Final Fantasy 16 decrown Zelda. decrown Zelda? Because everybody okay. already is like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is game of the year, mm. which is like we're fucking in May. And and like mm. I, I'm trying to think of what well, they already that. said that for Breath of the Wild, and that was March too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when like you know, and it's it's I've seen so many great videos of people like constructing hilarious different contraptions, and I'm like, it looks so much fun. But I'm still, it's like I'm like the kid thinking of bringing it back to sports. I'm the kid who gets picked last for the team. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like watching all these people have fun with Zelda, being like, man, I wish I played Zelda. <laughs> but you can be one of those people. You don't have to just like <laughs> bitterly like stay on the sidelines. Like, no, I said my piece i don't like so <laughs> i have to stick to it but it's it's funny because i played like you, you gave me a lend back in the day of uh, breath of the wild and i played it like i would say um, 10 or 12 hours of it mm-hmm. just didn't do anything for me just didn't didn't do it for me and that's where i feel like am i is it wait it's them that's wrong yes darren it's them <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. wrong you're, you're not wrong <laughs> for me zelda's a day one title you know, once all those things get spoiled, like that, there's a reason Nintendo barely released any footage of this game, and like only a week before the game came out, they kind of showed showed the story you a blow trailer, up yeah, trailer. But it was so quick, you couldn't even see any of the stuff you could build in the game, like at all. So like they knew what they were doing, and they were looking for those awe moments, of which there are many, and that's what I just crave you know so. so one of my favorite parts in that trailer is and it's literally it's only a like a second if even a second two frames worth of the video and it looks like there's one of those goblin things on a really tall contraption walking through a valley and i know exactly like, what moment you saw but that's only like one second long yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, that's I mean, but i i was looking at that like that's astonishing because it looks like yeah the whoever's playing it has built like a mech thing of their own <laughs> and i was like this game looks fucking mental, like, you know? And it's funny, because I, I, I'll make the apology here, Craig, because I haven't made the, the apology. Back when we were talking about uh, games that we were anticipating or excited about, I said that I think it's very stupid and awful that it's <laughs> taken six years, and based on the first trailer of uh, Tears of the Kingdom, I was like, this does not look like a game that took six years to create. I'm disappointed, and they've made a bad game. <laughs> Everybody... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's very big of you. <laughs> I, I was too wrong. little, too. Late. <laughs> no one will ever listen to me again. That's it. 
But guys, I mean, we can talk about. I'm sure Craig can talk about Zelda Freitas, but we just don't have the time, which mm-hmm. I haven't even actually started here on this timer thing for you guys to see. <laughs> but you'll see now. We're about ten, add ten minutes on that timer, guys. Okay. And you're gonna, you, you'll, you'll know where we're at. Um, so today's episode is we were talking about our favorite NPCs. Kev, this is one of your mm-hmm. um, ideas. So if it's crap, we're coming for you. Totally yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I just, I just. <laughs> uh, but it was good one because it made me think. I actually spent a lot of time thinking about a lot of games from a lot of generations. I mm-hmm. was like, God, like, you know, and so, and I, you know, I was, at first I was really struggling to pick anybody and I went online to get a few ideas of what mm-hmm. some um, companies thought were really good NPCs. And I was like, oh, I forgot about this person, forgot about that person. But it was a cool trip to go down memory lane and, and have a couple. But as the man who kicked it all off, mm-hmm. give us, give us a, an NPC from a game that you love. Yeah, so I think the first person that came into, into my mind was that bowling-loving cousin, uh, Roman Bellic of GTA 4 absolute champ uh, of a human we were talking about gta 4 and i guess you obviously <laughs> weren't on that episode yeah. you, none of us could remember anything about gta GTA no. 4 really yeah so oh, it's funny right. with the last <laughs> which one that's hilarious we were we, the, the title of the episode was worst game in the series and yep. bo craig and colin picked gta 4 I as the worst one of the better ones that's so gta funny. 4 one of the yeah. better ones yeah, yeah that yeah, is yeah. outrageous <laughs> it's, it's so dark yeah but there's no it's dark because there's no flying and you can't ever see the sun because you're never in the sky that's, That's the why it's reason there. Yeah. the lack of flying. Really, lack yeah. of flying. GTA oh, for me enough, is yeah. all about the flying. Want to get that parachute? Yeah. I want to get that parachute. I want to yeah. get that jetpack. I want to get the Air Force fucking the Hunter helicopter. The Hunter helicopter. The fucking the jets. I want all that stuff. And GTA Four has nada zilch. Yeah, nothing. But, but funny you should say that. I do know of who you speak of. I played through GTA yeah. Four and finished it. Uh, it didn't do a whole lot for me, but I know exactly who you're you're speaking of. So, Terrible so, driving mechanics too. <coughs> which one <laughs> Craig you're on the wrong episode <laughs> it's NPCs yeah so who so tell us what is it about well you see like the bowling loving cousin yeah so for me like GTA 4 is probably one of the darker storylines in GTA and he is the kind of comedic value that kind of keeps the game not in this depressing phase well of- because your main character has a really dark background his background is hard. yeah so like he comes from like war-torn yugoslavia yeah um you know raised in a quite a bad background basically you know i don't think there's any really too many light-hearted background stories in gta in general but that is a particularly uh, dark one and um nico bellic like he stays back fights in the war roman goes off to live the american dream and you know, like while like the war is raging, and he's trying to get you know Nico to come over, you know he's telling him all these stories of the American dream that he's living. You know, he's like got a different woman at home every night, and he's, you know, he's built successful businesses and he's doing quite well. And then Nico finally gets the chance to come over to Liberty City, and it's just none of it's true at all. But he just has this kind of like charm and kind of like charisma about him that like. You don't even care that he was bullshitting about all of this, you know. He just—he's a nice a gla- guy. He's a glass half full type of guy nice. in a, in a dreadful, dreadful city filled of just, you know, high, like you know, quite high end criminals, you know. And like Liberty City as a city, even by design of those we're talking about, like Vice City, San Andreas, and what's it called in five? Los the, Santos. Los Santos. Of all of them, Liberty City is my least favorite because it is so. There's gritty. the skyscrapers and there's nothing else. It's gritty and <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, it's really grim. Yeah. yeah, no, it's super grim, but I always thought it was super, like, real in a sense, you know. Like, it was a, you know, the whole story in general, like, it's just, a, you know, Nico Bellic's story is one of just pure revenge. And, uh, you know, regardless of um, where Roman, you know, 
kind of came in. Nico Bellic was always going to be going down the route of crime. But every kind of bad habit that Roman has kind of shapes Nico's story and puts him on the path of his um, revenge. You know, he's after these two guys who betrayed him back in the Yugoslavian war. And um, all of the criminal ties that uh, Nico ends up getting are through Roman. Um, he kind of shapes him along that path. And Roman ends up being this huge pivotal character towards the end, where it has like, it's got alternate endings. Okay. And nice. um, if you kind of, if you're playing as Nico, and well, you are playing as Nico, when you're playing as Nico, you get to, this choice to kind of like take a deal with the people that affect you over and uh, kind of cash out and hopefully live a quiet life after that. Or you can go down the pure revenge mode. And um, revenge is where it's fun, obviously, in that game. Yeah. And if you pick revenge, um, Roman stays alive. Spoiler alert. But if you pick deal, Roman gets killed on his wedding day and leaves behind his pregnant wife. So, so it's a horribly like depressive thing if you, t- if you choose to let uh, Roman go, which you shouldn't do in this game. But uh, yeah, that for me, he's just like this hilarious kind of character. And like what I said, it was a very gritty story. You know, you just commit some crime, pistol whip someone, steal their car. And he'd be like, hey, cousin, you want to come bowling? And I was like, yeah, I do. I need some bowling after that. So, yeah, <laughs> I need to relax. So, yeah, he's just one of those guys that I just think is he's kind of hilarious. And in that world, he's a nice leveler. Yeah, yeah. He really does balance it out. Because like, I suppose like GTA in general has some exceptionally memorable characters mm. uh, and, and non-playable ones. Uh, but uh, in, in fairness, there are very... Well, I not say there are very few. I think GTA 4 has the fewest characters, yeah. per se, in terms of like... Vice City's got a lot of great like wacky characters. Mm-hmm. San Andreas has got fucking tons of wacky characters. And Liberty City, like, it, you know, it's a much older game. But there's some, you know, interesting characters in that. Whereas GTA 4... It's probably one of like it's just the more serious yeah, it's things. Quite, yeah. So everybody is like it's it's a Grand Theft Auto game, so it still has all that fun of you know the violence and the whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I, the whole time I was playing it, and like, that's probably why I didn't enjoy it because I was expecting this like yeah. fun romp where I rob banks and everyone's funny. I was like, oh, this is there's a lot of heavy, yeah. there's a lot of heavy shit in here. Like yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, I can cool. see why he's important. Craig. Uh, okay, yeah. In the spirit of Zelda, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I was yes, thinking of characters that I, I would love to you know play as or just who, who would be great in the game. And the one I got thinking of was of all the kind of sidekicks that Link has in the courses of the game. Most of them are fairies and they're they're rubbish. They just go, hey, listen, and yeah. then annoy you with just some piece of advice. Link. But I think from Twilight Princess, Midna was the one who actually had a bit of use. Uh, Midna um, was essentially like princess zelda you didn't know this at the time but like the twilight version of zelda transformed into a kind of a smallish kind of monster creature but you had all these great and wacky powers one was when you because you spend some of the game as a wolf and while you're a wolf she rides on top of you and she can use this long arm thing to kind of grab stuff and fight so in a way you've got like a handy companion right from the get-go but another thing that she could do, and I always thought it was amazing, and maybe this isn't even in the game, but it's how I always thought of it. And so anytime I envision this game, I always imagine that, because Link is always um, getting loads of different weapons and all his different adventures. And I'm always thinking to myself, where is he storing these things? Mm-hmm. You know, like clearly he just has a sword and shield. Where is the boomerang? Where is the giant fucking hammer? Where is all this stuff? It's clearly not on his person, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Midna has the ability to teleport to anything into a kind of alternate dimension. So I'm always just like, okay, excellent. Anytime I equip my hookshot, that's Midna like bringing it into existence you, for me. You have narratively made a valid reason for why they're never on Link through this character. Yeah, but like 
because the way because she, she would off like there would always these be moments where there's like a pillar blocking your way and midna would literally just grab it and teleport it out of there or just send it to a nothing dimension or whatever and i'm like that's where all your weapons are they're all stored in this nothing dimension so in a cool anime kind of battle-esque sequence link walks into a battle just kind of raises his arms and all the stuff kind of appears in his hand from midna through this alternate dimension and no matter what he picks like he can be in the sword using his sword and shield to fight but like halfway through he gets disarmed and then all of a sudden he puts his hands up and two different weapons appear there you know i'm like that is badass that's not actually in the game (laughs) but like that's how i envisioned that that would would be how i just have this vision of like uh this dude in this nothing dimension who's like trying to get his lawn perfect and just random shit keeps falling down from like you know like that's blocking your path yeah, in the real yeah. dimension he's like fucking not again like, you know. <laughs> just because you've this massive arsenal because link is the hero of time but like but his best abilities are the weapons themselves you know he's just a guy doing stuff he's just able but to every them. one of his weapons always has this magical or supernatural ability like can, a boomerang that can fire a tornado or you know a bow that can shoot light or fire or ice or whatever that is so it just always seemed very cool to me if he could just constantly switch on the fly mm-hmm. and just make him a better warrior. So Midnight, I thought, was just the ultimate NPC like, to facilitate character yes. to facilitate my wacky vision <laughs> of Link. <laughs> yeah, I love it. A good choice. A great choice, in fact. I buy it as well. Like It sounds yeah. like that, that's a, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah it, it really does make perfect <laughs> sense. If I, like, if yeah. I ever play uh, Twilight Princess, this, yeah. I mean, the entire time I'm playing, I'm like, oh, that's, that's pretty dope. Yeah. That's Thanks pretty really cool. <laughs> but you won't ever see that happen. But just know just off screen that that's what's happening when you yeah. switch your weapons. Yeah. Very good. I'm just trying to find my, uh, my notes for my characters, which I do not have. But I remember them. I remember them. I remember my NPCs. So one of the ones I'm going to go for, just because they were, uh, for me growing up as a person who was, let's say, a backseat gamer for these games, in, in their first instance, I'm going to talk about Metal Gear Solids. Uh, I loved Otacon as a as a just a background character. I thought like in the in the first one where he wets himself and he goes into the locker. I was I was pretty, love that. I was a pretty young kid, so like toilet humor was really up my street. Oh, so right. I was like, look, he pissed himself. I love him. He's hilarious. Like that was my initial like thought about Otacon. But as the games progressed, you know, like because he had that kind of he was that that funny. Um, Comedy relief because he's pathetic in the first one, and in the second one he's still very, very he's still quite pathetic. But he's got a really good like the whole thing with the story of his like his yeah, stepsister, sister. Yeah, his yeah. stepsister Emma or whatever. And uh, you know you go through that game and like he's got uh, Otacon's got his own narrative. He's got a reason for for doing all the things that he's doing, and it makes him such an interesting character. So those who haven't played Metal Gear, he's like a scientist kind of guy who ends up helping Snake and. Whatever the fucking team he's on is called, I I I don't know what goes on really <laughs> most of the time in that game. But uh, yeah, so he ends up being like your your the guy in the chair essentially mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of it. And uh, I loved how he was in two because he had a real like proper character. And you're there trying to save his sister, and he's just the guy in the chair. And the whole time he's like, oh, "Snake, you got to save her." Like she means so much to me. And because I loved him, or Raiden, because it's Raiden, he's not actually playing a snake. Oh, it's a fucking stupid thing about that <laughs> game, <laughs> ruining a good opportunity. Um, but you're playing as Raiden, and you're trying to save this this girl who's actually quite annoying to save in the game because she's useless. She can't swim. She's so. not a con sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's only going to get worse. Um, but. Because I loved Otacon so much coming into this game, I really wanted to save his sister because I was like, oh, like it, it's really having an effect mm-hmm. on him because he doesn't know her that well. They're from like different fathers and he just wants to like 
do right by her because it's like she, he's all she has left and they don't really get on but he's trying to make amends it's like a kind of like classic movie type scenario mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the whole time you're playing through you really want to save him and it's you know uh, spoilers it's all tragic in the end and you, you've kind of got to move on from that and then in like Metal Gear Solid he's done in 3 but in Metal Gear Solid 4 like he's come up with all this new tech and he's quite an interesting character in, in 4 like he's, he's like he's far more developed and he's a lot cooler I think he's kind of I mean all he's, right. he's <laughs> not he's not cool but he's a lot cooler than he, he has been. Cry as often. Like his, like, cry, <laughs> his cry to action ratio is down. In yeah. one and two, he's crying for over half of his yeah. like dialogue. His thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he another thing about him is that he has the famous, you know, like the the when you die in Metal Gear Solid, the snake, you know, like that. That's, well, they that's all the, have that. Yeah, his, but his one I think was always the best. I love this one because it's so I also like because his, his one, yeah, his yeah. one was so like I love that guy. I can't believe he's dead. Type thing, you know. So his one had the most most feel to it. Um, but I loved him in four, and the cool thing about having him in four was he actually felt like a proper sidekick because you had the little. Um, he was speaking to you through this like remote controlled robot on wheels that yeah. came around. It looked like you? a camcorder, but yes, had on wheels. a couple of legs. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a pretty cute design. I quite liked it. But he was definitely a sidekick and he would use that thing to like open certain doors or jam certain things. Mm-hmm. So you actually felt like he was there doing shit for the first time as opposed to just being a whiny little shit on your codex the entire time. But I loved him. I thought he was great, like a really in like just different and I think I say he was a really great character really young Darren thought it was hilarious that he pissed his pants and from that point on I just followed him I guess like, I was like I'm in this to the end Otacon. but as a young kid you're supposed to hate someone who pisses their pants right or so, no, could no, you you know kind of aspire to be with him this guy? oh yeah I could aspire <laughs> so I had problems with my own at the time Craig and I was like I could write no I think I loved him because he was comic relief it wasn't that I was like I respect this guy I definitely didn't okay. but I think I love the fact that they put this type of character in there and he was so pathetic but ends up being like hugely integral to the story mm-hmm. that like he's a guy that you grow with throughout the story he's you know he has a bit of an arc himself and stuff and especially like I think my favorite Otacon although it was his whiniest was in two I think the him having that like proper background and mm-hmm. protecting him of his sister I was like there's a story within a story here and I'm I'm on board. Do you know what I mean? I really enjoyed it. So yeah, he definitely made my list. Quick question. Did yeah. you replay the mission to try and shoot Vamp in the head before he could stab Emma? Yes. <laughs> All the time. And it's one of those things. It's like I've seen lots of people play certain games. Like there's a, I saw a clip recently and someone's playing the, I think it's The Last of Us Part 1. And you walk exactly into a room and there's yeah. a scientist or a doctor or someone who gets attacked by a, like a clicker uh, mm. straight away. And I watched this guy do the clip, like reset the mission over and over and over again to try and figure out a way that he could save this. Because he just, for whatever reason, this guy just really wanted to save this random NPC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had that same feeling because when it first happened, I thought, oh, crap, game over. I was yeah. like, oh, I, I done fudged it. That was really hard, game mm-hmm. over. And when I realized that this is actually how it goes, I was like, it, it, is it how it goes? Like, can because you save they, her? In Metal Gear Solid 1, they got you with that same scenario where you're being tortured and if you give up, Meryl dies. But if you survive the torture, she survives. Yeah. So I thought maybe this was the same thing. And the game's where, wacky like, enough because you have all the, the, the kind of crazy things that happened in the first one with Psycho Mantis and like they were just kind of playing with you and toying with you and I was like, oh man, so they, oh, but there must be a way because I mean, I've been playing, like, yeah. I think the part of me that was really annoyed was that you literally like saving her, Kev, is mm-hmm. the most 
frustrating gameplay because she's useless and you gotta take her into water and hope that like and it's it's that classic thing where I was at an age playing that game where I hated underwater missions because you had the breath bar and it was always very stressful to get yeah. from A to B and she'd be on your back with this tiny oxygen bar when uh. you've gone underwater and anytime she get out she's real whiny and and she's real complaining and she can't do this she can't, she's got asthma she's got all these problems and you're just like <laughs> fuck's sake she's useless but like you know I still and because I tried so hard when I got to the point where she does get stabbed by vamp i was like no 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 they did not make me work this hard <laughs> just to kill her at it's the so end true. of all this yeah yeah but you can't save her but yeah, yeah. he was he autocom was great because i think he was a character who i didn't expect to be developed in the way that he was but mm-hmm. i appreciated that he was and i i quite enjoyed uh i quite enjoyed i used to all the time as well especially in the first one you could just keep calling people you know on the codex to, yeah. to get tips but if you call them too many times they'd always get annoyed but autocom was too nice to get annoyed you know oh, like where's nice. where's the the colonel would be like snake you got a mission to do stop phoning me blah blah blah. you'd call autocom a couple of times like snake are you sure you're ma- did you mean to call me okay well i, I don't really know what it is. like he's just so polite and yeah, nice yeah. all the time i was like i respect you autocom. <laughs> you're nice dude uh, but that'd be my one mm-hmm. I got, you got you got you got another one for us kev yes uh so one i was thinking of is uh I suppose, based on a historical character in Assassin's Creed, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And I think I kind of brought this up before on a, on a similar one, but like um, in a previous topic we were having. Mm-hmm. But um, that for me, when like real life historical effect, um, like instances get like melded in with a fantasy like, a, a world. Fantasy world yeah. I love that sort of shit. Like anytime there's any like real callbacks to historical events, I'm like, this just makes the game so much more real for me. And mm-hmm. to, 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 give him a personality that we can never know it was kind true, of true or false, or false. Yeah. It was just a whole like eye-opening experience you know like you could get to really almost get to know him in a sense yeah. and uh yeah. you know they play him as a bit of a cheeky chappy you know like <laughs> yeah. he's he's there to help you along guide you along um and tony it, stark of yeah that's why that's why like, i always you know? looked at it like he's this this like master technician and inventor and you know he's a bit of crack as well like you know when he fixes the hidden blades at first fretio which is like one of their kind of first interactions um, and they get involved together and he fixes the hidden blade and like Ezio's asleep in the corner and he's like gotta call you over man gotta chop your finger off like just pure fucking with him even though he's already like come up with a way of not having to give that sacrifice mm-hmm. but he makes Ezio put his finger on the table grabs the cleaver and slams it down beside him it's like you evil evil man <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just is so funny to see him do it and then like as the game like progresses they incorporate you know like his famous sketches for mm-hmm. inventions for like blimps like, and fine yeah. yeah and like you get to actually use like his his sketch for a smoke. hang glider yeah, yeah. yeah and it's you know like he has that eureka moment as well when like he's like oh i can't do this and he throws all the designs into the into the fire and like the fire makes a piece of the paper rise and he's like i got it i'd we forgotten all about that but yeah that, those, those just, are some great scenes it's just case. some clever detailing and um you know like and it goes along when it, when they get to like assassin's creed brotherhood you know like he's not that he's ever really officially part of the assassin's creed but he's designing weaponry for all of the apprentices in it so he might as well be and uh yeah just an all-around like top character to have and, in. and, and it's funny after i played uh, that game and anytime someone mentioned Da Vinci for whatever thing that it came up in conversation I was like I knew that guy but like not that I <laughs> knew him personally but like I have a picture of what that guy's you know because you talk about like artists or sculptors like I have no idea what Michelangelo was like or but in anytime someone mentioned Da Vinci I was like oh yeah that kind of cheeky little funny fella I was like wait no that's not actually real Darren <laughs> like, you don't know that <laughs> yeah he was a great that was a great addition I like that I love that um I love that that kind of duo like the really smart, intelligent uh, inventor and the willing 
tester essentially yeah. to be yeah, like yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it and it just always works out well and like yeah. you know it's always a good um and I, you know Ezio being i mean i think unarguably the greatest of the yeah. assassin's creed characters like they have such a good um uh back unarguably arguably i would say <laughs> i will argue with you <laughs> <Just, laughs> <laughs> all right we'll, we'll save that for another episode Greg. we've yeah. only got so much time yeah yeah okay sorry he is arguably there you go <laughs> the best assassin my apologies um anything else to add on well, as, to well, as, as the game goes on i don't know if this is like something that's um you know kind of seen in or kind of remembered in uh, assassin's creed 3 but there's a moment where uh connor i think is the yeah connor's the assassin in assassin's creed 3 and he's got his version of a da vinci who's trying to you know help him with you know updating his tech basically and they try and fail to make a flying machine based off of like da vinci's um original designs and i was just like oh there you go bringing them back in yeah. you know four or five hundred years later whatever it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was yeah. like keeping the keeping the spirit of them alive but um yeah he's just like i just think he's just an awesome like bit of real life history yeah mixed yeah. into that, that crossover is a lot of fun. yeah makes you want to learn the character and then you're, you go see his work in the museum and you start quoting some assassin's yeah. creed logic to the girlfriend beside you and she's like what are you talking about <laughs> we so, so people that. actually tested his flying machine and uh-huh. uh, it worked if you could get enough smoke to help her i was like the fuck are you talking about like no that's true we had a, a moment like that uh, myself and tara actually like in milan where we went to like um, a museum that has a lot of his original sketches yeah. i think it's the um like it's it's the one that has the most of them i'd love to be able to remember the name but it's gone for me but um yeah, we were going through and I was just like, oh, yeah, I think you could have gotten more out of that Da Vinci. You know, you definitely could have just used that smoke to keep him up there because like that was obviously just all for the game. Yeah, yeah. And I was just looking at it just being like, yeah, just I think uh, we could have used to see that one in the game as well because it was just so gassed to, to forget that this, this isn't real, Kevin. You know? <laughs> and I was explaining yeah. it to Tyra as well yeah. as we were walking along. It was being like, that's in the game. That's in the game. They so I can buy him like, do, do you know that Ezio, one of the most successful assassins of Assassin's Creed, actually <laughs> flew this? It's like, Kevin, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? And you see buildings as well when you're when you're actually in like Milan. There are buildings that are also in the game. And every time we went by one, I was like, I actually climbed that uh, before. I don't think it realized, but I've been up there. And I've but that's uh, and I know we're going off topic here, but that's uh, the fascinating thing about Assassin's Creed games is their attention to detail for the worlds that they've mm-hmm. built. Because one of the facts that I love is that now I don't know how much of it they used, but when Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, burnt down they actually got in contact with the Assassin's Creed team um, who made the game Ubisoft mm-hmm. to see if they could look at or borrow their um, blueprint designs whatever they put together for this they're like their historical uh, research because you know in the rebuilding of it now they want to have it as close to as it was when it was originally built as yeah. opposed to the modified version they had before burnt down and I was like that's pretty dope imagine putting all that time and effort into it so much so that you actually become yeah, uh, a reason this thing can be saved or made better like you know yeah, it's like the recognition of yeah. it's phenomenal yeah it's very yeah. cool Craig, who else you got? More, more Zelda? Is, uh, no, I wanted to open with Zelda, but you know, I, I'll just have one character per franchise type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, Zelda in this game there'll be loads of characters. I think they're really stepping it up. But again, that's off topic. So the next character I'm going to choose is from the Mass Effect series, and nice. it's a toss up of two because I love two of them so much. Morden is one of my favorite guys yes. just because of how he just explains everything so quickly, and like you can like really just feel the fucking intelligence coming off him as he speaks to you like you know yeah but it's got to go to tain krios who mm-hmm. is very much the morden the assassin version of morden like you know he'll be talking to you while just like cleaning his guns all cold and sinister like and you'll talk to him about a particular mission and he'll just look up 
and replay the events of the mission in his mind. He'd be like, two barrels, one opponent, take the shot. And he's just reliving the moment as he's talking to you, and you can just see it in his head because that was, that his was race his, yeah. can, when they look back on memories, they relive the memories. You know, so watching this guy go through that kind of traumatic experience every single time you talk to him was always like really cool to look yeah. at. But as well, because other than getting to know him, like on a mission, he didn't say much at all. Like he was just a cold, calculated killer. And you're like, man, this guy's cool. You can't like his eyes are so black. You yeah. just he's just this cold-blooded killer. But then when you get to know him, you find out he has a son and he has cancer mm -hmm. and shit. And you're like, oh my god, this is. He's just a normal guy, you know, but he's cool as shit. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, uh, great is that like the fact that he's like the assassin mercenary type character yeah. as well, like you know, like that Sonic. It's funny that you, because I when I was coming with my NPC list, those are the exact two that I pitted against each other, being like, oh, who did I prefer? But Morden won that battle oh, for yeah? me. For yeah, you? I yeah. mean, it, it, they're both great. They're both my two favorite Mass Effect characters. Yes, uh, Commander Shepard including. Like so, especially. But I had to pick. Um, Thane because he's pretty much absent from the third game because he's dying of cancer mm -hmm. but if he survives and if there's stuff if you do meet him he shows up for just one one mission for only about 10 minutes but that 10 minutes is absolutely spectacular of him just mowing down guys and like saving you from another assassin so he's going hand to hand with an assassin who's trying to kill Shepard who would annihilate Shepard no problem but once Tane jumps in they're evenly matched and you're like oh shit look at him <laughs> taking him on he's cancer and everything like was that. was the oh god I, this is going to be such an obscure reference but the end of two or the end of three when you're choosing where to send everybody on the last mission mm -hmm. there's a vent that someone has to go through that they say will almost definitely kill them mm-hmm is I sent Tally and she managed fine. <laughs> so I sent... As an engineer. <laughs> uh, but is that in two or three? That's two. That's the suicide mission. So I sent Thane into, into that and he didn't make it. Yeah. But, but I sent him in because it was like the lowest chance mm -hmm. of survival. And I was like, well, he's dying anyway. But like when you have that chat, there's like that, there's that understanding that he has as well. When you're like giving it to people, he's like, I understand. And I was like, of course you do, Thane. You're the coolest <laughs> yeah. guy here. Yeah, like, you, you know? just, he would get it. He'd no regrets. So, that's yeah. such a pity because I never got, because you know, the save file continues over to the next game. So when I played Mass Effect 3, Thane was dead. So yeah. I never got that. Um, yeah. He's not in Mass Effect 3 a lot, but his moments were cl very cleverly chosen. They mm -hmm. clearly went, we have a very good character here. Let's mm -hmm. give him. A nice crescendo to go out on. Just what he mm -hmm. needs. Let's not let's not over you know saturate the fans with. Yeah, this, but you like know. he's not like one of those characters that's constantly in it. Like even in Mass Effect Two, he's one of the the last characters you get from recruit. Yeah. So he's kind of just that extra guy for that extra flavor. You he's know? like just, the Vincent Valentine of Final Fantasy. Exactly. Like the guy that he's comes the, the cool end, character the cool that guy. you don't want to have too much depth because. The stuff you assume based on just looking at them is all awesome. enough. Yeah, enough, that's you know? that's better than the actual story could possibly be. Like what <laughs> which you is very good. I'll yeah. give them that. You know. But yeah, Tenkrios is my Mass Effect character over Morden. So see, seeing as we're on the Mass Effect buzz, I didn't actually put Morden down for this, but I mean, I, he was, I uh, highly consider him. I think for me, Morden, that the scientist and the part that I love the most was just how, I mean, you talk about Thane being cold and callous. Morden had this this entirely different... Oh, he did, yeah. Different kind of cold and callousness that was, I think, almost worse than Thane's. The fact that he only Morden cared about the science. smile and laugh about it yeah. while, while talking about like mass genocide. Yeah, because you know? he, you know, that like in, in the Mass Effect scene where you there's a there's a cha a point where you can choose to fix the genophage isn't that what it's called mm -hmm. against the Krogans and I remember talking to Morden and I was like you can like talk to people what do they think blah 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 and like there's a part of me that's like well I don't want a whole race to just slowly die but Morden is so 
just facts about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, Shepard, you know, they are monsters. They are blah, blah, blah. They are very violent. And, uh, That's a pretty good impression. Thank you. <laughs> but he, he, and he's, and the whole time I was watching going like, damn, this guy is cold, but like he's making the decisions, you know? Yeah. So when it came to like choosing the, because Morden was my favorite right up to that point, and you get the chance to choose like, you know, to ask Morden to cure the genophage or not. I was like, oh man, this guy's talking a lot of sense to me and I've loved them all the way up to this point. I was like, okay, Morden, I'll take your word for it. We're not going to cure the genophage. <laughs> and I did, like, I just let the Krogan, you know, in the, in the story die. Well, right. you didn't cure the genophage? No, I don't think so. Oh, I did. And it was Morden's idea to do it. <laughs> so maybe his mind changes in the third game. In the second game, he's all about keeping the genophage on. Yes. But in the third game, his arguments definitely lean more towards to saving them. Saving them. So yeah. maybe, maybe when it came to my my patron the third, I was remembering like old cold Morden, who was yeah. like old Morden wouldn't have saved them. Like so, <laughs> you're not going to save them. Yeah, he was great though. But like that, in terms of you had an assassin whose whole character was based off being this cold, calculated. Mm-hmm. I'll just do the kill. But for even though they literally that was the guy, they made this other guy who was just a scientist, but he was colder. And even more sinister in ways than Thane was, because I was like, this guy just cares about the science. There is no morality. There is no emotion. It's just pure facts. Yeah. And I was like, that creates a very scary character. Like, you know, and the fact that he was kind of like funny to listen to, mm-hmm. he had the kind of funny, I'll talk real fast to uh, Shepard. And, we'll, uh, and I was like, oh, I can kind of laugh at him. But everything he's yeah. saying is fucking dark. Like, yeah. you know, great character. <laughs> Like, do you is your experience of the character the same because like do you no when you, so, yeah, I always you it I don't go renegade I oh, go okay. paragon and yeah. Morden seemed like a very likable character mm-hmm. to me like he he definitely talks fast and he can be cold but by the third game especially like he has turned it around like he'll always do the good as opposed to the bad yeah, like yeah. you know and he even has like a lot of nice jokes and songs he'd even sing and stuff like that so Darren's experience with Morden is quite different from my experience because I went Morden I went full renegade I was, yeah, I yeah. was quite the good guy like, yeah, you know? yeah. and do you ever like do you ever like play it differently not me. I always play a character how I envision them to behave yeah, so enough. I'm never Paragon but or you Renegade go back and... I just act based on how I think the character the character okay, yeah. would act in that yeah, sequence. Yeah, yeah, so sure. I've no problem punching a reporter in the face, you know. But <laughs> I'm definitely going Paragon, like, you know. But they, it's funny, like I mean, the, the reason I played Renegade because I always play the good guy. The reason I played that Renegade was just because I made him look really, really ugly, mm-hmm. and the, the scarring of the Renegade type as the game went on actually improved how my character looked but it did open up a lot of doors in terms of like oh man Shepard's you know and I love that I was like Mm -hmm. this is what it would take some no nonsense I don't give a shit about anybody type of person to save the universe in the situation that it was in Mm -hmm. that's the kind of person it would take you know some guy being like please and thank you or may I like that's not going to get anything done but my Shepard who didn't give a shit about anything like the thing was I was mean to my entire crew as well like because he had all these renegade things you could just say and I was like yeah I'm going to insult fucking Jake don't give a shit about Jacob (laughs) and tell you she could fuck yourself and i was like it was such a like for me who always played the nice guy i had like and i've never like i haven't replayed it since and if i did i would have to go full renegade again because to me that has to be the mass effect experience you know because i play that way i don't want to experience it any other way that's how shepherd is for you yeah Yeah, yeah. he's an asshole he's a great (laughs) asshole who gets the job done and i was like yeah that's pretty badass like you know so yeah I'd, i'd go for him but in terms of actual characters you know because Morden wasn't on my list well I'll do one real quickly as kind of like an honourable mention before I swing it back to you mm-hmm. uh, Kevin now I, it'll be remiss of me not to bring up Kingdom Hearts of this course this would be, be very quickly in passing Craig, I promise <laughs> <laughs> I promise so I loved as a kid because uh, you guys seen the episode of The Simpsons where the two gangs are fighting in the front lawn 
Um, yeah. And there's the one guy in the white suit who yeah. hasn't done anything. <laughs> yeah. And Homer's like, but Marge, the guy, he's, and he's going to do something cool, I know it. So Mickey Mouse through Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 was that character for me because he was this fly-in He's a Keyblade master. He's like in the in the first game, he's only in in it at the end, mm-hmm. essentially. And in the second game, you're you're trying to find him for so long, mm-hmm. and you always see him, and he's got like the dark cloak on. He's he's the guy with the Keyblade. I'm like, man, I, it, it's like you know when I first saw him fight, it brought me as much joy as seeing Yoda take out the lightsaber to fight Count Dooku. Yeah. That's what I got from Mickey yeah. Mouse and Kingdom Hearts. I was like, I'm finally gonna get to see him fight. This is great. So I loved him because and like he's Mickey Mouse as well. So it's like the ha ha, we're the problems. <laughs> oh, we gotta save the world, Tora. So I, I quite enjoyed that. I was like just palling around with like Mickey Mouse through yeah. this like wacky game as well so he, just as an honorable mention I kind of have to give it to Mickey because you you don't he pals around with your party but you never mm-hmm. play as him so he's like a true NPC if you lost the battle in Kingdom Hearts 2 for whatever reason some um, you could replay as Mickey and beat the beat the boss Did uh, not do that do, you could do a thing until I think it was like the character's health would recharge while you're playing as Mickey until they're like able to revive yes I did do that it happened to me just one time and I could never figure out why it happened or what was going on but I remember just be playing as Mickey and being like okay cool he's way more powerful than any of my guys yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I was able to beat the boss but otherwise I would have lost and it's it's cool because I think it is a rare thing that happens in the game but it happened for me at such an intense moment when he did and that's what I mean because he come in and he's amazing to, to play as now does he fall under the NPC I think he's like it's, it's a fun thing that he does but I think he's a true like you know NPC it's not really a character you play as in, in Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2 mm-hmm. but that happened at such an intense like it was like a big boss fight against Demix it's a really hard fight you've got very limited time to like beat him and then you go straight into another boss fight after that and I was like oh this is a lot of pressure I and then I died and I was like oh I gotta go back and do all that again and then you get the this you see the Mickey keychain thing come out and Mickey's like I got you Sora and like he goes on and you do the fight I was like ah oh, that was and I, just, I needed it do you know what I mean I needed it so badly like not to have to do a load game or a continue yeah. and I was like that was amazing like you know and he's he's like crazy he's like it's like Yoda fighting Count Dooku yeah, he's yeah. got these like wild movesets you know and I was like jumping all over the place yeah, hopping yeah. around like a madman yeah, yeah it was great so uh, Kev on to you you got any more for us yeah so there was one like kind of game I wanted to mention in that like it has some of my favourite NPC interactions because you know like like you play a, a bigger like kind of open world game they, they run a bit stale quite uh, after a while and you might yep. get like th- the same three sentences over and over again but I've been playing a, a bit of uh, South Park The Stick of Truth uh, nice. over the last few days or Very last, last few yeah. weeks and that is a game that like every like scene I'm in every um, you know new area I'm exploring I will exhaust the N- NPCs because I want the content because it's so funny. And they often have those extra lines. Perfect yeah. lines. Yeah, like there's like one of my favorite aspects is like when you're at the, the base camp, like Cartman's base camp, and uh, you're just going around talking to, you know, it could be anyone like Scott Malcolmson's there or whatever. And like the, the first three sentences are quite on theme for the game that they're playing. And then when he's quite clearly run out of like the, the, the sentence he's able to use, uh, he goes, uh, dude, no, Cartman says I have to skip, keep to the script. So like, like a little break of the fourth wall there, yeah, which yeah, I yeah. just yeah. I love, and like I'm trying to do that for each and every uh, like characters that I like, run into because like I found it like Hogwarts Legacy for example, I didn't want to talk to a lot of people after a point because you were just hearing the same thing oh, big time. over and over again. Yeah. But with this, it every every line is a joke, and it's just so worth. And hearing the best it. part of both those games, and I much prefer the second one because they mm-hmm. actually have decent gameplay because the mm-hmm. first one is is very rough you know yeah but, i couldn't yeah. i couldn't play through the, the i never finished the first uh, one once but you got, got the canada i gave up because i was like okay clearly here 
is where it's scaled too dramatically and you have to just buy a load of new weapons otherwise you're one shot instantly and mm-hmm. i was like they haven't scaled this very well at all and it was always just your character and one other sidekick and like you've like 12 sidekicks and i was like i want them all you know mm-hmm. i just want to use them all but in the second game every single fight you get into you pick your team for that fight okay so you're switching constantly yeah and because you have a party of four and there's over 12 playable characters you never uh, see all the dialogue mm-hmm. because if you rotate a lot like Craig will start te- like yelling at Cartman during a fight and you like you wouldn't have got that if you had Kenny and fucking okay. Stan in your team you know Perfect. so because there's 12 playable you have four in your party at once for each fight you could have a different party in every single battle yeah. so they're constantly yelling out different lines like yeah. you know and it's, you're just like you get that sense of like yeah. every random fight isn't random it's like part of the show the story part of the episode yeah, yeah. part of the story and i i guess for them you know for the guys uh matt and trey who write south park and we're mm-hmm. ob- like very obviously writing the dialogue so and scripts for this game yeah uh, it must be so fun to like write npcs and to break that fourth wall and to throw jokes in like and like a, a kind of a fresh take on what they normally normally yeah. do but yeah i love that i love that like you know just bought like hassing an npc until they until yeah. they break mm-hmm. like you know yeah. i love that like, Wait, wait, quick question. Which NPC did you mention? Uh, well, see, it was a catch-all, basically. It's ah. like, like, so, like, I'm trying and non-playable to... characters in South Park is uh, Kev's second choice. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose I, my favorite interaction, I think, that I've had so far is with uh, Al Gore. Uh, so like like to like do they squ- they squeeze everyone at like it feels like every South Park episode that has like a ever character, been like, yeah. yeah they've just pushed it on it's great on especially there. if you're a fan the Easter yeah. eggs are just incredible that's what it is there so must like be going, one for every episode I, I have never explored a universe I like to this level to extent like I want to uncover everything and chat to as much of the the characters as possible just so I can experience a very very long episode of South Park basically because it's mm. just so well done and you could never you know write npc dialogue to infinity yeah so it's so nice to play a game where they've actually put the effort in to say we'll give them a couple of extra hits do you know i mean it's not going to be the case where i'm going to talk to like this person they'll say two one line and then the next two lines are the same it's like no no we're gonna if they want and it's like that thing i talked about with red dead redemption where you put all this effort into developing these like scenes of the campsite that you could play and never experience. It's the same for South Park. If you're not interested in just like hammering the button on the NPCs, you're never going to get this. But that mm-hmm. didn't stop them from putting it in there. And I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, we're still going to put the work in here. Like, yeah. 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 What about you, Craig? Uh, oh, just before I go on to that, if you do continue uh, playing that game, oh, no, definitely go to the Fractured uh, Butthole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's actually cool. Lauren fucking loves the name of that game because I was playing on the Switch there it's like a couple of months ago. amazing how you can get away with cursing technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's like, what's it called? I was like, um, the Fractured Butthole. She was like, oh, that's a weird name. And then I just showed it to her like to read it on the screen and she was like, the Fractured Butthole. That's amazing. And I was like, it is. It's pretty good. Like, you know, it's pretty smart. Uh, sorry, my next choice. Um, let me see. What was I going to pick? Um, I had to base it off because we did a, an episode recently on um, our favorite like video game characters. Mm-hmm. And I realized two of mine were technically NPCs because you don't get to play them. So I'm like, oh, I have to mention mm-hmm. one here. So I'm going to go with Star Wolf, you know, yeah. just because that's Wolf O'Donnell. And I love the Star Fox series. And again, I always like imagine NPCs the way I did with Midna and the way I did with, with the other ones is that I always just imagine them in their own game, in their own world when the main character's off and they're off screen. I'm always just thinking about what would they be doing? And for me, Star Wolf is a perfect example of, cause he also has a team of misfits, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, but they've been beaten by Star Fox so many times. So I'd love a game to just kind of open up with them and very much like Cowboy Bebop. I don't know if 
you know that, yep. that anime series but they're just on their spaceship they're all the three guys are gathered around like a can of tomatoes there's only one tomato left and they're just kind of staring into it and they're just you know what each one of them has a fork and they're ready to lunge at it. like they, they've just <laughs> been beaten by Star Fox so many times that they're just they're on their spaceship and just like hopes like are down in a, you know? in a group counseling session <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So, so how do, tell me how does it feel to keep losing guys you know <laughs> so it very much would be a game where it acknowledges Star Fox and that they're mm-hmm. the better team that they keep winning so star wolf begins and they're really down in the dumps you know and they're just like here we just need a couple of missions we need a couple of bounty jobs to go our way and then the team starts to really come together because they've been betrayed i don't know if anyone played star fox assault but in the original game they have pigma on the team and he eventually goes off and leaves and then andrew oinkini goes off and leaves as well and joins his big empire so there's only star wolf and leon from the original core team mm-hmm. and then they get this guy panther in and he's the third member but there's still only three guys how can these three guys defeat the four I don't, star fox guys? i don't know if slippy's worth anything from that no, <laughs> like he, he, he's still you know he can monitor it he can shoot stuff down like you know but i'd love a star wolf game where it's just mission based like star fox except the whole game, they're trying to prove that, no, they're just as good as Star Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, eventually they'll do a mission where, like, the Star Fox team are trying to gun down a bunch of bad guys, but they want to take them down first. So you're flying in, shooting down the bad guys, trying to just get a higher score than Star Fox. And it's a massive moment for them when they, like, get, like, one extra Point. vehicle shot down or something like that. They're like, we did it! We beat you guys, you know? <laughs> the one time. Their, their slow resurgence. Um, so I'd love to see a video game with Star Wolf and his team just slowly rebuilding from, like... Just trying to pick themselves up yeah, off like the bottom of the table. Yeah, like, they have absolutely nothing, but I'd love to see, you know, because, like, like, Leon is a chameleon, you know? So that's his kind of, like, animal-looking character. So it'd be great if, you know, he developed a kind of stealth technology on his ship because the whole chameleon thing, you know, and you've your panther who can just be... Real I know, fast. His, his ship just has claws and they're looking <laughs> ripping <laughs> or something like that. Okay, you were good with the chameleon stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You lost me with on the ship. I was like, I was like maybe one? he could go fast. You're like, no, the ship has claws. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, wouldn't it be cool like a spaceship that can literally grab onto another ship and rip it apart? Yeah, and yeah. the pilot just jumps in and beats the shit out of you. Yeah. That, that, that could be pretty cool. You're honest. I'm just on picturing this. like Modoc or something with these like little like, little like yeah, claws. Yeah. You know, like, that's how like, they, the cool bad guys always like to invade. They attack. They rip open the ship. They yeah. go in and then they kill everyone. So Star Wolf, you know, like they're, they're not the, the nicest guys. Like, so at the end of the day, just because you're they're a trying bad to get guy, the top score, you know? but they're still killing innocent people. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just to beat the team. Like, like it's still like high five moments all around. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, did, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're like, you know, carnage and screams and flames all around them. We're like, yeah, we did it, boys. So I just love Nintendo to do that for the next Star Fox game. Just make it Star Wolf and have them just down in the dumps. Only way mm-hmm. is up. You know? And it's an interesting concept for them as well because although Star Wolf comes across as the very cool and, you know, dark villain, I that would be a really fun route to go. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to pick the team up, like, you know, yeah, come yeah. on, guys. They just lost so many. They've been betrayed by Pigma, betrayed by Oinkany, betrayed by Andros and Venom, you know. They just, they haven't been able to catch a break. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, look. Yeah, I love that. That's a great shout, actually. That's a great shout. I'll, um, for my next one, uh, I think this is probably... Probably my favorite NPC. I've got another honorable mention that if we have time for, I'll go to. But I'll go into this one because I love it. Or I love him. Mimir from God of War. Nice. That's a great shout. Because all he does is tell you the best stories. Yeah. The best stories about all this. Uh, it's Norse, Norse mythology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 
one of my favorite things about that game was to just go around on my sled. Like we're talking about Ragnarok now because it, he did it. He, was he in the first God of War? Yes, yeah. of course. So he tells the stories of the first God of War, but it's never as often. as like you can't, can't shut him up in Ragnarok sometimes. But there's nothing. I, I, sometimes I'd be like, ah, you know, and, and yeah, I'm just going around and going to go kill these guys and collect this collectible or whatever. And then Mimir would start telling a story. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So put the controller down because, you know, sometimes when you get too far, it's like that thing that you love in Last of Us where people will come back to a conversation and mm-hmm. stop a conversation. If um, you get into close to a fight and Mimir's telling a story, Kratos comes in and he goes, enough, you know, boy, draw your weapon, all that kind of stuff to stop it. Like and that. then sometimes Mimir would be like, or like Atreus would be like, Mimir, weren't you telling a story? But I, I haven't got time for all that mismatch. If Mimir starts telling a story, I like pull over, you know, on the sled with the wolves and yeah. I sit down and be like, I love this. Because I'm a big fan of Norse mythology anyway and all that kind of stuff. It's so wacky, but it's so cool. I, I love like the show Vikings and mm-hmm. you hear a lot of like Odin and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is great. And just sitting here and having this guy just like tell you, like, l- like literal bedtime stories. It's yeah. so fascinating. And, and he has like a perfect accent for it as well. Yeah. Like it's just like, it's like sitting back and listening to Billy Connolly talk, I always think. Yeah. And then he goes, it's just, it's, it's very soothing almost. Yeah. He t- tells he's, it perfectly. And he's such a, you know, and like, you know, he has, and it's a side quest in, um, God of War Ragnarok essentially and you find out that he had like Mimir although he's just a head attached to your waist now you find out that like years ago he had a love interest who was one of the Valkyries I think mm-hmm. and you never you know he, he goes into this whole thing in depth if you do that side quest if you actually do that mission you know I mean it's never a thing that he'll go into as part of the normal story so you're there going through some caverns and some caves and reading some things and Mimir's like oh god I didn't realize that this is what happened to her and you know he's getting quite sad and Atreus and Kratos is like oh we're sorry but like we didn't realize that you know, you had this like, you know, tragedy or mishap in your life. And I just love, you know, because Mimir is such a, he's such a, like a, a separate father figure to Atreus as well, because Kratos can be like such a shithead sometimes, yeah. especially in the first game that, you know, when you're on like the boats or whatever, uh, and you're rowing as Kratos, but you can hear like Atreus and Mimir having a little whispered conversation. He's like, ah, oh, don't mind them, lad. Like, you know, <laughs> like just trying to make Atreus feel better. And I was like, oh, he's such a, like a caring character, which I kind of needed because Kratos could be, although I played as the super renegade shepherd, I was like, Kratos is a bit too mean for me sometimes. But he, Mimir was such a good balance. And yeah. then sometimes when Atreus went missing and Kratos was like losing his mind about like, how do I find him? Mimir was like, are the lads able for, like, like trying to, help like he was just there to help everybody yeah. and i love that like you know and I, in the meantime just telling a million and one stories that were just so interesting i was like what an npc like <laughs> you know just story time with mimir that's all i wanted yeah. in that game and i was like he'll give you a little shout as well because he's like he's he, eyes on your back basically i always love that when you're in like a fight or whatever he's like oh watch out behind you there now and like yes. someone's coming in to absolutely clean you out but you haven't picked up on it yet like yeah, yeah. like oh thank you for that one Mimir. and it's such a great little concept that you've got have eyes in the back of your head because you've got this like the head of a man yeah, you yeah, yeah. it's like he he is in like uh you know it's even funny as well one of the things i thought was quite funny in that game was that one of the powers you get is something you can give to Mimir to make him like to shoot the lasers yeah, out yeah, of his yeah. eyes and like that whole scene's hilarious because he's like when he realizes what it is you're trying to do to him he's like i don't know about that <laughs> using him as a weapon or whatever you know <laughs> so he you know he was i think i th- probably is my my all-time favorite npc in a video game because he brought a very different it's not some shopkeeper that you think's funny it's not Otacon who's pathetic mm. but you love to hear him it's like a guy like like a guy who's there for the entire team he's like witcher from from start to finish and not only is he funny but he's compassionate and just tells amazing stories which for me playing through that game added such a level of mm. depth to it that i was like yeah, god of war is a really really good game yeah like fighting and everything like that in it is mm. great but that thing of just being told about norse mythology and a lot of it meant something to these characters because they lived it and they've got a, a relationship with it um 
But even just for me, I was like, I'm learning so much. I imagine yeah. he has an amazing voice as well, right? Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> like, big old Scottish accent on him, and it's just so satisfying to listen to, like, you know? Um, yeah, but yeah, great, great character. And, like, I, just, I love his compassion. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know, in a world where you've got, like, Kratos, who's, like, just a shit dad, who gives Atreus such a hard time about being a kid and not being a man, and you're sick, and you're not strong like me. Kratos, to me, is like, ah, don't listen to him, lad. Like, I can't do a Scottish accent. <laughs> he, he is very small, though, the kid. Like, you're just like, yeah. hey, he's really the son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, th- I have to put Mirror up there. Kev, we got anybody anybody else before we, we we kick it for today? Yeah, I'll give a quick shout out to Old Bill from uh, The Last of Us. You know, right. nice great. choice. Yeah, yes. like, iconic character, and like you know, great to see him brought to life. I suppose in the series, obviously in a very different way, but um, you know, just but like, equally equally as good in a very yeah. different way, equally as good. Yeah, I like just show. such a oh, he's such an impactful character in that in the, in that show and in, and in the game. Which and, version of him do you prefer? I think well, I, I loved the depth that the that the show went into. I think that offered something that the game, well, you know, not that the game didn't offer any depth about him. Like obviously, like like he's portrayed fantastically, but um, just to see those extra details mm-hmm. um, and the level of prep that he did, you know, I thought I thought some of those scenes of like just how how fucking organized that man is. Yeah. I was like, like, he must be the doomsday planners uh, poster boy now going Well, that's forward. what I was... Me, yeah. and Lauren, me and Lauren were laughing because, you know, all that doomsday stuff and preppers, they, they tend to be more of the right wing. Like, we were like, uh, I don't know if we should be glorifying this, but you and me watched that episode and I was like, this is such a satisfying... Like, if this is what you were into, this must be like fucking porn. Like, I bet that was the best like, day of his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I told <laughs> he, you He wanted so. it to happen more than anything. Yeah, he had all it's this doomsday plans. It's not a case plans. of what it, it's a case of fantasizing about yeah. it. Like, yeah. You know? And yeah. he's able to think, but yeah. So what is? Because like Bill's quite gruff in yeah. the game, much yeah. gruffer than he is in the. Yeah, yeah, and I, I suppose like I suppose like the, the the show kind of fairly like showed a side of him that you know the 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 the, the game couldn't, um, and you know like the relationship with Frank obviously like is just you know it's beautifully done to be fair, um, and yeah, like just to get that insight into who he was behind this, because I suppose like the way he's portrayed in the game, like like. I, I had points with like, does this guy have it together? Like, I'm not, I'm not too sure if like this guy is, you know, gonna. I, I thought at points in the game he was gonna like double cross at different phases and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff, mm-hmm. just because he seemed like erratic constantly and beyond paranoid. I thought he'd, you know, sell them down a river maybe if if if, if push came to shove, and he, and he doesn't, you know, and he's a yeah, just top top lad. It turns out he's a man of honor. He just. Yeah like anyone living by themselves for that long like mm. he's just constantly mumbling and talking to himself yeah. and I love that realism in terms of how people would behave in that type of situation and he had such a great uh, in the game him and Ellie as characters had such a great chemistry yeah. mm-hmm. that like she like he thought she was just an annoying little shit and she knew that he thought that's what was just pressing all of the buttons yeah. Yeah. And, like you know because that part of the the game is quite intense especially mm-hmm. like getting to the school to get the battery yeah. and everything yeah. that's a really intense part of the game and I don't know if I could have coped without them like without Ellie calling him all sorts of names and him calling him Ellie you know this fucking smart yeah, young yeah. girl all sorts <laughs> of names but actually didn't give a shit so he had quite a that was a really fun chemistry because the rest of it was just so dark and scary and, mm. and, and tense that I was like oh thank fuck she's giving him loads of shit because I need a moment to, like to sit down and relax here like you know because uh, I only uh, my brother was playing through it uh, recently and I popped into the house and he was at the part where you're running through all the different yards with Bill to get to the school yeah. and I was like he is so much fun like all the shit that he's shouting at you and stuff like that like he's giving you so much guff yeah. the entire way like he, he's a really fun character to, yeah, to have great. in the game great got anybody to, to round it off with um, 
I didn't have one prepped, but I mean, based on just me picking Wolf, I guess because Wolf was number two on my like all-time favorite character list, and I guess I should mention Liquid Snake, like you know, because uh, he's my favorite video game character of all time. So because you don't get to play as him, he's an NPC. He right? is an NPC. So he's an yeah. NPC. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it would be absolutely fantastic to see more of his story. And a, a reason why I love him is because he's with you, although he's the leader of the, the bad guys, he's also with you, giving you advice for the entire mm-hmm. Metal Gear what's, Solid what's 1. His, uh, what's his name again? He's Master McDonald Miller. The Master McDonald. Which is great, because in Metal Gear Solid 5, like, Master Miller like meets Eli, who is Liquid Snake, and like uses some like jujitsu on him and just takes him down instantly. And I'm like... That's, that's he's going to he, remember that. That's who he aspired to be. <laughs> like, like, he's going to sneak into your house 20 years from now and murder you. you and know? take your namesake and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, so I love good. that Like he's such a psycho. He remembered that from years ago and he wanted to take him down. But also, like he's not just a villain. He just he wants to mess with people. Like He could easily have just done the whole mission and like firing off the nukes. But he wanted to be there with Snake to be like, oh, here, here's the advice. Why don't you sneak in the vent? You might get in that way, you know? Even though he knows that, like, fucking that's, Snake that, is that's on gonna his way. And he, yeah, he's a guy who's all about the theater and the pageantry. Yeah. Like, he really, it's like, I don't want to just, you know, uh, do my plan. I want to create a moment. Like, you know, he's, he's all like, about... what Tony Stark would call a full-blown diva. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, he yeah, wants yeah. the theatrics. Yeah, he yeah. wants to, like, be the one at the top of the tower giving the big speech, looking down on everyone else, which he does do in Metal Gear Solid too. You know, like, yeah. you have, like, um, Solidus liquid or solid solid snake you ride and, and then ocelot giving a big monologue where out of nowhere liquid snake just takes over him this is like i'm the real villain you know like <laughs> hands in the air just fucking screaming down at everyone just being like and i am the shit produce <laughs> that voice actor as well who was voicing ocelot because because he has to not only does he have to play ocelot he then has to play liquid snake who's incredibly different to to the ocelot character especially in four the big theatric yeah, you know yeah. so and so sad. That, that was a great bit the most say. devastating thing for me was Metal Gear Solid 4 when they didn't bring Cam Clark back and they just kept Ocelot's voice but Ocelot was being liquid yeah. and I was like this makes no sense to me at all yeah. so I mean I didn't even want to play Metal Gear Solid 4 I boycotted it like you know I got it um, off a of friends and I played it for free I wasn't buying it I was like how dare you ruin the story like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense so, yeah, that suddenly well, Ocelot's back in control well, because Liquid took over at the end it doesn't yeah, make any but sense the, and f- the problem with Metal Gear Solid Craig is that I would say 10% of it makes sense yes the other 90% of it is I know, but back when Metal Gear Solid 2 ended we didn't realise it was all full of shit it was only when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out we realised Oh, he had no plan for this. Like, this is just going in every direction. <laughs> just trying to take it right is, it, is it mentioned at all, or is it just? No, they never go into it at, oh, all. at the very, enough. very, very end of Metal Gear Solid Four. While Liquid is fighting, he his name changes to Ocelot, and then it, he's like, "You're pretty good." But his voice was always Ocelot okay. the entire game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but at the end, it's implied that it was never Liquid and it was Ocelot all Fair along. Enough. Even when in Metal Gear Solid 2, he was giving the big speech with the Cam Clark voice. I was like, there's no way Ocelot could have done that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I love that character. I love the, the cutscenes from the remake of Metal Gear Solid 1. Twin Snakes. These are both fighting on top of the Metal Gear Solid. These are both like, like toe to toe, completely equally matched. 
and then he falls down and I don't think talk about the character himself too much but if he had his own spin-off game of him taking over Foxhounds of him making breaking into the, the base and killing everyone and taking over and then Solid Snake comes in you know like a prequel yeah 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 you know or even add him as kids because in Metal Gear Solid 5 him and Mantis escape at the end and it kind of sets them up as yeah. the, the future villains from Metal Gear Solid 1, One. Let's see him recruit Sniper Wolf, Vulcan Rave, and also let's see that story, yeah. you know? But alas, it's Hideo Kojima. Well, you never I know, think though. Konami, you know, will they ever give it back to him? Um, I hope, well, I hope they don't because his only thing that he's kind of done since then is Death Stranding, Death Stranding. which is so wacky. Like, if you thought Metal Gear Solid was wacky, like, Death Stranding's a whole different fish of madness, do you know what I mean? So. Maybe, maybe let it die. But it's mad because he, he showed the director's cut and in that footage, I don't know if any of you watched it. Director's cut of which? Of um, Death Stranding. Right. In the director's cut edition, there's all these extra stealth mechanics of you like crouching around and sneaking up on bad guys. I'm like, that's Metal Gear Solid. But yeah. it looks stupid because you've about 50 boxes on your back. So how could you possibly see? see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's ridiculous, you know? Hey, whose boxes are these, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's a guy hiding in the corner while like this tower like yeah. 20 meters tall is behind him. Stupid game. But that's so a good bad. one. That's a good one. I'm, I appreciate that, guys. And I think that's, I mean, Kev, is there anything you, anyone else you really want to dive into? No, or are you I happy think, enough with yeah, that? Yeah, I got them there, I think, yeah. Very good. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll call it there. But I guess... Under an hour, look at us. Well, uh, you have to add 10 minutes onto that. Why? Because I didn't put it on for 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Here's me looking at the thing, being like, look at us. We're not wasting any time. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're like an hour and f- five minutes or so. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. Sorry, Sorry bubble. Um, But yeah, so uh, I guess, you know, we're going to go and do a post show after this. I don't know if you guys remember or saw the picture, but it will be a would you rather. I will be mm-hmm. asking you a would you rather question. We'll go into it. I won't spoil it here. If you want to know what that would you rather question is, and it's video game related, don't worry. You can uh, check that out at patreon.com forward slash the gift of gaming. And if you like what we talk about, if you feel there's any NPC characters we missed out on give us a shout at the gift of game podcast at gmail.com kev craig it's been a pleasure and uh to our listeners keep enjoying the gift that is gaming thank you all Peace thank out. you